Ah, holiday get-together. So many things to look forward to. Pass the squash. I'm trying to eat more vegetables. You know, actually, squash is a fruit. It's a vegetable, like green beans. Well, beans are a legume. What are you, the vegetable police? Look, I'm just saying that just because... But to those who can always find the silver lining, give the gift of joy. Holiday scratchers from DC Lottery, like Peppermint Payout, Merry Money Multiplier, and Festive 500s, with over $1 million in total cash prizes. Just trying to be accurate around here. Please play responsibly. Good evening, everybody, and welcome live from the Donatorium. It's another episode of the Fat Minute. I am, of course, your host, Don John, joined tonight by my co-host, BBJ. Hello. So, how how you living, Blake? Uh, I told you, I, I had a lot of getting even to do. How'd it go? Uh, I'm still odd. Uh, well, there's always next week. Yeah. Thanks, Pinky. <laughs> <laughs> But tonight, on tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about a bit of a broad subject. Um, we're just going to be talking about uh, kind of like artists' rights, the rights of, the rights and ownership of artists and content creators and how a lot of studios and record labels and stuff like that take advantage of them hardcore. Um, we're going to talk about a few specific incidents. Uh, this idea originally was suggested to us by a viewer on Twitter. Uh, name's Kira. She messaged us and suggested we lo- we we talk about the recent events involving Taylor Swift and her music catalog. Um, And we kind of expanded it a bit to, you know, go across all forms of entertainment for the most part. So uh, let's, you know, go ahead and jump in with that original request. um, Time out, Kira, if you're listening, I I know you might be thinking right now, what the hell, Blake, you you know my real name, I I know you, but like, I just went by your Twitter name just to be safe because maybe... That's just what you're publicly. That's what you're comfortable with being publicly like yeah. mentioned as. So, yeah, <laughs> I didn't want you to think I didn't know who you were on Twitter. I, I know, I know. So it's part of his getting even. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just making certain people believe that I don't remember their name in real life. Yeah. <laughs> but let's go ahead and jump into the original, um, the the original like. Uh, suggested topic uh which was you know the the whole issue with taylor swift and her music catalog um i believe it was like a year ago or maybe a little maybe two years ago that this started when um to the i think it was 2019 yeah 2019 so almost two years ago at this point um basically big music music label executive by the name of Scooter Braun, which first off, his name's Scooter, so you already know he's nothing but trouble. Well, yeah, when I first heard that, I was like, "No, for real, what's his name?" <laughs> yeah, like, is that actually his legal name, or is it like? Yeah, I honestly just don't give enough of a shit about him to even look that up. <laughs> yeah, like, his name's Scooter. Don't trust him. Is here's the thing. It's either a name that he chose himself, or it's a name that he continues to go by, and I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> right? <laughs> but basically, long story short, this guy, Scooter Braun, he he and his company, his music label, had ownership of the Masters, which is basically the original recordings of all of Taylor Swift's first six albums. And he recently sold it to another company that has nothing to do with her. Um, and Taylor Swift is obviously pissed because, you know, that's her music. She has, she basically has no ownership over 
her music in terms of, you know, where it can be used, how it can be recorded, you know. And apparently when Scooter Braun, before he sold her music, was even telling her, like, she couldn't play music from her old albums at, like, live performances and stuff like that. Um, basically citing some clause in her contract telling her that it counted as her re-recording it, which she apparently wasn't allowed to do according to the contract. Um, and it's just so mind-boggling that, like, you put in all this time and effort to make this music and somebody else is just allowed to tell you that when and how you can play it or can't yeah. play it. Yeah. Um, and then they can just straight up sell it to somebody else. And I mean, to Taylor Swift's credit, she's doing a boss move where she's re-recording all of her six first six albums. Um, and yeah. she'll have complete ownership over all that. And there's another incident like that. We'll get into a little bit later. Um, but yeah, it's just so crazy the that that something like like something like that can happen. So, first of all, I have never been like a big music person. Like, I love music. I listen to music, obviously. Like, saying you don't like music—that's like saying like you don't like eating food. Like, it's yeah. just it's just kind of weird. But like, I think you know what I'm talking about or who I'm talking about when I say we all know those people that are like really into music like yeah. more than everyone else we know like yeah. i was never one of those dudes that had in his myspace bio music is my drug of choice right um because we all had that friend yeah we all had like, several of that friend yeah but so i just was not familiar with with this term masters mm -hmm. um and i'm assuming it's it can be used with anybody it's not just a taylor swift term right now right um but yeah, when somebody brought that up, they're like, "Oh yeah, her masters," and I'm like, "What's that?" <laughs> like, I had no idea what they were talking about, and they explained it, and I'm like, "That's a thing," and they're like, "Oh, you know, it's basically like the hard copy, the original copy of like all her songs. You know, it's like what gets played and and whatnot." Mm -hmm. So I just knew it as like the song, like the, the official version, the real, you know, the, the digital version or whatever. But yeah, like whenever it's used or, or remixed or whatever, it comes from that. Um, but then somebody explained to me the concept of like how basically everything you just said. And I'm like, that just sounds so frustrating. Yeah. And like, I mean, no wonder why that industry has so many snakes and so many like, so much controversy, you know? And it's no wonder um, that they get no sympathy when they complain about uh, digital downloading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It w and th that's why, that's why like, a lot of artists go on tour as much as they do because mm -hmm. they're trying to make a decent buck. Because, like, as far as, like... And even then, even then, that's not guaranteed. Because I, I, I remember reading an interview with D. Snyder from Twisted Sister not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And like I for I think he said it was like a little over twenty years before like Twisted Sister actually started making money from royalties and stuff like that. And like he said, his, it was so bad that during like the nineties he he was doing like odd jobs, like answering phone calls at offices and stuff like that, just to feed his family because they they hadn't started making money yet. That's depressing, especially from my point of view. How cool of a guy D. Snyder always seemed like. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, so, like, no, when they get streamed or when, you know, it, it would be purchased off, like, Apple iTunes, like, apparently the artist did not make that much money off of it. Maybe a, um, a couple pennies. 
Yeah, mate, not that much of a percentage, I should say. Yeah. Because, you know, you would think, you know, when you're younger and you don't have much of an understanding of that, I just assumed that that 99 cents went directly into their pocket. But, right. Um, but no, it's just... And then, I mean, it's it's just been... It's been a thing... It's been common knowledge for a while for me that, like, writers in the music industry have always gotten treated like shit. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, like, unless... Like, Lady Gaga, she started out by writing Britney Spears lyrics, and Ed Sheeran has apparently written a lot of songs for other people. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest, you know, uh, one of the biggest things is the song I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. That was by Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Um, but so unless you're, like, unless you're already famous with other stuff, like, if you're a writer writing lyrics in the music industry, like, you're going to get fucked over. Like, yeah. that's just a given. Um, you know, this guy, I mean, just imagine, like, the metaphorical balls you have to have to think you could get in Taylor Swift's face and tell her what she can and can't do, and then not expect for her to just, like, pull your name through the mud, which is, like, what she is an expert at. Right. Um, I mean, she's not the only one to have done this. Back in the... 80s and 90s, Prince was in a similar situation with Warner Brothers where they were fucking with him and his contract that he had with them. And he was just like, I want out. And he's like, well, too bad. They were like, too bad. You still got to do like several, this many albums with us. And he was trying to buy his masters off them and they wouldn't do it. So he was, he, this was the time, this was what caused him to change his name from Prince to the, the quote unquote love symbol for a while. Yeah. Um, the artist formerly known as Prince. Right. That's what caused him to do that and caused him to put out like a shit ton of albums over like one right after the other to get one to get out of that contract. But also because he was like, you know, if you won't sell me my masters, I'm just going to record all that music all over again. And it's just going to like completely devalue that catalog. And, you know, literally what Taylor Swift's doing now. Yeah. Um, And like I said, it's just so crazy that like these record labels can just own that shit that you put all that work into. Especially, you know, artists like Taylor Swift and Prince who, you know, I don't, I don't know about Taylor Swift per se, but I would, I would, I'm sure she wrote at least the majority of her music. Oh, uh, no, no, that, that is one of like, for all the gripes people have of her, like, you know, it almost became a meme where it's like mm-hmm. every song she has is about like a boy she's pissed off at or whatever. Like one of the things everybody was always able to give Taylor Swift is she at least wrote her own shit. Like, not like a lot of other artists where it's like, you did not write any of that. Um, And And it's, it's just crazy. You put all that work into it and you have no like real say in where it goes or what, what's done with it. Mm -hmm. And I've heard the argument before that like the record label deserves, I guess is the word I'm looking for to have that control because they're the ones providing the equipment and the studio and the space and they're making the album and promoting the album and doing all this other stuff. And it's just like, you know, they, they have to make their money back and they have to pay the people, the engineers and everybody who helped make the album. It's like, sure, those people got to get paid. They worked too, but it's like the record labels making a cut off the, the album sales they are making a cut from the ticket sales from the live tour I'm sure they're making a cut from the merchandising sales. Like, they're making their money back. So, you know, why do you still need 
this. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's just, it's so, it's just such a hard fight to argue because it's like, ultimately, like, you know, they can use the cop out of, well, that's business. That's the whole point is they want to make as much money as possible. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to argue for the sake of, like, a fairy tale dream world that, you know, everything's fair and whatnot. But, I mean, it's just always been notorious that record companies are, you know, shady and miserable to deal with mm -hmm. and everything. I mean, it's, it's just kind of like random and irrelevant right now, but it reminds me of one of the loading screens in Guitar Hero where it's just like, remember, every record company is evil except the one that was willing to sign you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, shit. I mean, like, yeah, so you had the artist formerly known as Prince. Um, what, what other musicians would you say is a good, like, example here? I mean, another recent one, it's not quite the same situation, but it's just another example of how the the label really keeps their artists under their thumb. Um, a couple of years ago, Kesha was trying to sue to get out of her contract with her record label uh, because the head of her label, Dr. Luke is his name, um, she accused him of harassing and assaulting her. Um, yeah, yeah. And she sued to get out of the contract with them because she was still under contract to do six more albums with this label. And she's like, I don't want to make a label for this. I don't want to make anything for this fucking guy. And she yeah. lost. Yeah. She lost and she made another album and it was still released by this dude's label. And it's just like that, that, that is so fucked up that like, and that was with Sony, right? That was Sony. Um, I'm not sure. Let me double check. But it's just like being forced to work with someone who did those things to you. Yeah. And I mean, like, those were heartbreaking pictures to see of her, like, crying and breaking down in the courtroom or whatever. And it's like, she's not even trying to get a bunch of money from him. She's not. And I mean, like, she would deserve such. If anything, she's she's almost kind of walking away from money because it's like, you know, she's trying to walk away from a record label that will release her music. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, this isn't her, like, trying to, like, take him for everything he has. This isn't her trying to, like, send him to jail. She just doesn't want to work with him. That's it. That's all she wants. She right. doesn't want to have to work with somebody that, like, fucking assaulted her. Right. And it's, like, the most reasonable request and she lost right like, it was it was very hard to believe in the system that day um but yeah i'm pretty sure that was sony it's um, a yeah it's it's a subsidiary of sony it's not like sony directly but it's it's a label owned by sony so same difference really right right um yeah no that was that was terrible i mean like and she's I don't think I've seen her. I don't think I've seen or heard anything of her since that first um, that first one she came back with. I mean, yeah. that was the first one in a long time too. Yeah, like she she looked different. She sound different. Um, but no, I mean, whoever that person is, fuck him. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just on. That's ultimately going to be the ongoing theme of the <laughs> the night. Fuck is them. Going, Fuck him. <laughs> um, yeah, shit. But back to you, though. Well, to move from music, let's go into movies a little bit. Like, did you read the article? It was like 
20, like end of 2019, a little over a year ago at this point that it, this article came out about how like the, uh, the writer for the men in, the original Ben and black movie, like had a Twitter, a couple Twitter posts talking about how, uh, 22 years later and he still hasn't gotten paid royalties from men in black because it's technically not made a profit. <laughs> Now is and now it's ringing a bell, but I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. Like, was Home Alone on this list as well and whatnot? Or I think maybe, but like, basically, it's just like there's a very like common practice of movie studios using creative accounting to basically keep movies that they put out technically in the red, so they don't have to pay out royalties to a lot of different people. Again, that's shitty. Um, Yeah, like, I think I remember in this Twitter conversation that, like, the the writer of Men in Black started. um, The director of Spider Man Homecoming pitched it, and he was like, Yeah, that movie, Homecoming made like $800 million, but I'm still, like, not getting residuals because apparently it hasn't turned a profit. (laughs) Oh, that's bullshit. You gotta be kidding me. I mean, that should straight up be illegal. It technically isn't because the, I mean, technically the numbers don't lie. Um, and I mean, there was a, they, like somebody ended up releasing like the accounting sheets for Harry Potter and order, order of the Phoenix. I think it was to show how it hasn't made any money either. Um, and it's, it's just crazy. The accounting and like just the, the math that they do to, to make it that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm just—I'll definitely have to look into it more. But it's just—it's weird how like, how's that even possible? How do you even like warp the books that way? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'd—I mean, I'd be fucking pissed off too if I directed Spider-Man: Homecoming. <laughs> I still hadn't gotten any money for it. Like, yeah, I'm looking at the tweet now. He's like, according to my latest Spider-Man: Homecoming statement, the movie is still losing money despite a box office of 880 million dollars. I mean, shit. I, uh, that's just that just shows like how nonsense it all is. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the sheet now from Warner Brothers, the accounting sheet for Order of the Phoenix, and they like cite a lot of stuff like distribution fees, distribution expenses, direct cost, um, supervisory fees, over budget charges, like just a bunch of uh, like stuff that just technically keeps the movie in the red. <laughs> Even though we all know it's not. No, no. Like, it's literally impossible for it to be in the red. Because if it was, they wouldn't keep making more of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that just goes into, like, I don't know. Like, the movie industry just seems to have, like, very vague, undefined, unrealistic, like, standards for what makes a movie successful. Yeah. I mean, just like how, you know, they acted like, you know, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was a box office bomb. And it's like, that movie made like, what, $600 million, $700 million? It, it made more than twice its budget back. Yeah, I don't understand how that's a failure. Yeah. Or like, even Superman Returns, and especially like Batman versus Superman. Batman versus Superman was like, you know, $900 million. And Patrick Wilson finally had to say like, you cannot tell me that a movie could be a hundred million dollars short of making a billion, and that it underperformed or failed. Like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, 
shit. Just shit like that pisses me off, though. And here's another tweet in that conversation. Uh, I guess someone who worked, who who may, helped make the show uh, Army Wives years back. They tweeted, Army Wives ran for seven seasons, and every profit statement from Disney slash ABC shows zero profit in the show Deeply in the Red. I have concluded thus that Disney and ABC is, ABC is clearly a non-profit entity creating shows and movies for the good of the people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Almost. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like all, all these franchises are in the red, but you're still finding ways to pump out more of them. Yeah. Exa- yeah. How does something go for, you know, six, seven seasons and you claim that it hasn't made a profit yet? Yeah. Um, once again, this isn't necessarily um, – 100% relevant to that, but it just reminds me of like when I was working at the movie theater and you know, I would have the, the older customers complain about the prices and how they were too high, they were too much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, oh, they were talking about the concession stand and you know, like a five dollar soda and a seven dollar bag of popcorn. And I go, well, unfortunately, that's like our only way to make any money and, and pay the bills here, pay the rent Yeah, um, is through the concession stand because the movie studios make, you know, virtually, you know, uh, a devastating majority of the ticket sales. And the one woman just leans in and goes, really? Like I just <laughs> the most unrealistic thing ever. And it's like, yeah, no, like Disney just totally made the Avengers for free. Like, right. like just, they teamed up with the Salvation Army. Like, yeah. And it's just like, because I remember when you told me that about how like the theater, like for every ticket sold, you guys made what, like a quarter? I mean, it's it, was, it, it, it fluctuates over time, but like when a movie is like new, mm-hmm. like it's like 90% of the ticket goes to the movie studio, I, I, if I remember being taught correctly. Yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, my mentor at the time, that was how he explained it to me. But, and does, yeah, the, does the theater have to pay the studio just to get the movie in the first place? Oh, uh, shoot. Because if they do, that makes it even more bullshit. That's actually a really good question. Um, do they have to pay to get it in the first place? I don't want to answer that because I'm not 100% sure. I do know that, you know, um, in 2015 even – Disney was trying to, like, I guess be the big bully on the playground and, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, have the moxie to tell theaters, like, hey, you have to have more theater, you know, more auditoriums of Avengers uh, Age of Ultron than any other movie, and you have to keep our movie in the bigger theaters, um, you know, even though we may not be the newest movie anymore. And it's just like, yo, like, piss off. Like, yeah, it's like... <laughs> You're Disney, and it's the Avengers. People are going to go see it. I don't think you guys have to worry. Yeah. And it's just like, eventually, like, you will not have the newest movie of the week. And, and like, it's, it's, go to other stuff. It's like, the, the theater is how you guys make your money. Maybe you shouldn't bite the hand that feeds you. Just saying. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and mean, I mean, like, the theaters are kind of getting their comeuppance with all these movies going to video on demand instead of the theaters because of the pandemic and looking like they might continue that trend, at least in some form, even after the pandemic, which it it sucks for the theaters and the people who work at them. But absolutely. I, I, Um, I say that the movie theaters, the movie studios kind of brought it on themselves. Um, 
in a way. Yeah, I mean, Maybe well, like, that, like, like, like in a in sense of karma. Like they didn't bring the pandemic on us, but no. Well, I mean, in that case, it was the studio being the bully, though, not the, the not the movie theaters. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's it's. I feel like it's still too soon, too early to predict what's going to happen. I mean, like, I think when the day finally does come when everybody feels much better going out mm -hmm. and doing stuff again, I mean, like, you just can't beat that experience. Like, people yeah. miss going to the movie theater. They miss, like, I know it is now a cliche and even cringy to some people on Twitter to still bring it up, but, like, you know, opening night of Avengers Endgame when, you know, the final battle starts and everybody's all excited and cheering and stuff. Like, you can't recreate that in a living room with just five people. Like, yeah. it'll still feel fun with your buddies in your own way, but, like, to have 100, 200, like, people in the same big room, like, doing that, like, people miss that feeling. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, like, there are some things where it's like, yeah, I can just watch that at home. Like, um, Happiest Season that was on um, Hulu, like... That's not a movie theater kind of movie, mm -hmm. but like, you best believe I'm crossing my fingers that you know shit is good enough this fall so I can see Dune on the big screen. Yeah, um, like anything Marvel, anything DC, like you know. And I'm not the biggest like Star Wars person, but like, yeah, th there's no way I would have just settled for seeing any of the sequel trilogy on the small screen for the first time. That's just not that's not how you do it. Mm -hmm. But. But yeah, no, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, let's move on the let's move away from movies, go into like the comic book industry because I feel like this kind of stuff of the the studio heads taking advantage of the artists and content creators, I feel like it's the worst in yeah. the comic industry. Yeah. Because I mean, at least in music, in the music industry, the artists still, you know, like Taylor Swift. Yeah, Taylor Swift doesn't own her masters, but. I don't think anybody's in doubt that Taylor Swift has a comfortable life. Like, yeah, Taylor Swift still has money, and well, and then there are people, and not to not to you know, I guess, like skip ahead or fast forward or whatever. People, Taylor Swift is Taylor Swift. Like, people are still rooting for her. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody knew for the long until long after he was dead that Bill Finger even existed. Yeah, like, like that's really depressing. Yeah. And, and, like, the fact that Bob Kane pretty much stole Batman from him. Like, he stole the man's legacy right out and, from under him. And, like, Bill Finger was into it. Like, he created Batman. He was into it. He, he, he you know, believed in the messages and morals. And, like, mm -hmm. you know, Bill Finger – or Bob Kane, all he wanted to do was make enough money to go to, like, fancy parties and hang out with, like, elite people. Yeah. Um, and it's like you – know, and I mean, if if you guys haven't seen it, there's a great documentary on Hulu about this called Batman and Bill. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. But yeah, like we'll we'll get into it here in a little bit about like the 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 conflict not just between the studio and the creator, but also like the writer and the artist. Because a lot of these you know famous comic book characters were made by two people, writer and artist, um, and. I feel like, you know, it I kind of see it from both angles in that in that regard like you know, the the question of does the artist deserve creator credit or ownership credit and I'm like, you know, on the one hand, you know, we all know what like you say Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, everybody immediately has an image in their mind. 
So it's like that person created an image that like 70, 80 years later, people still mentally immediately recognize. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, with, for example, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko are both credited for creating Spider-Man. And I mean, also Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were credited with a lot of other Marvel characters like the Fantastic Four and um, the X-Men and all that. You know, Stan Lee never wrote or never I never drew I should say never designed any of those characters he was Stan Lee was the writer and I mean it's kind of a question of like you know for example Spider-Man does Steve Ditko deserve ownership of Spider-Man along with Stan Lee um and it's like yeah he created that image that we all immediately recognize but on the other hand it's like Stan Lee, like, in my opinion, if Stan Lee hadn't been driving the bus, Marvel, as we know it, would not exist today. And I feel like that's, like, a fact at this point. Um, well, I mean, I don't think it takes anything away from Stan Lee to also credit um, what Steve Ditko is. Yeah. I, I always get him and Jack Kirby mixed up, like, who we're talking about at which time. But, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, that is a that is an industry that completely relies on the visual, you know, the 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 look and aesthetic and everything. And it's just like And it's like I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just kind of presenting like a counter argument for the sake of having one. Mm-hmm. Like because the thing is Stan Lee came up with the idea of Spider-Man. He was like this is a character I have in mind. This is what I want. And Jack Kirby also came up with a design for Spider-Man. Stan Lee hated it and went with Steve's instead, but, like, he could have just as easily went with Jack Kirby's design instead. So, I mean, like, you know, at what point are you actually, you know, are you also co-creator? And, I mean, you're right. It is an industry that that relies, like, heavily on the visual. Um, And I guess another counter-argument to it is, you know, think of... Think of the Harry Potter books, and I know I'm, you know, comparing a novel to a comic book, but I feel like the distinction there, there's enough of a similarity to make this comparison here with the Harry Potter books because Harry Potter is like a huge cultural phenomenon, has been since the day it came out. So much so that like the majority of people have those original book covers burned into their mind. Like when you say Harry Potter, that's like one of the first images they think of. Does the artist of those book covers get any sort of creator or ownership credit of Harry Potter? No, because I cannot for the life of me think of whoever it was. Okay, but, you know, most people don't know who Steve Ditko is either, so... Yeah, I mean, again, like, I, I understand what you're trying to say. And it's 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 not a... It's not a nonsense argument. I'll, I have to give you that. But we're talking about one image over something that requires, you know, every single page to be a giant image, you know, back to back to back to back to back. So, I mean, that would be the counter-counter argument, I guess you could say. But, but I mean, yeah, I mean, ultimately it does fall under, like, um, it, does, it does ultimately belong to who thought up the character and the world to begin with, but I mean, it, again, like for for a look, for an aesthetic, for a visual that is iconic and that you know we have the words seared into our brain, but we also have the costume seared in our brain. I think it is fair ultimately for whoever first came up with 
you know, the basic blueprint of the outfit and just that entire, you know, style to be, to get some credit. Um, I will say, though, I mean, I mean, Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby are at least known by more people than whoever the hell made the Harry Potter book covers. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean I, like, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I think, yeah. you know, I think, you know, I, I totally, I again, I think it's a fact that if Stan Lee hadn't been driving the bus, Marvel as we know it wouldn't exist. Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, all those other artists, they happened to be working with the right, like, the, it was the perfect storm. They had Stan Lee driving the bus and driving their direction, being like, this is what I want from you guys, and they delivered. And, I mean, they were hired hands, yes. I mean, technically Stan Lee was too, but that's just it. They delivered, and they delivered something that, you know, almost 100 years later is still enduring. Um, So, you know, I don't disagree with you at all. I'm just looking at it from both angles for the sake of looking at it from both angles. Yeah. Um, But in the case of, like, Batman... I think Bill Finger deserves that that credit more than Bob Kane does because I mean because he I mean first of all it was like Bill Finger's idea to, to make him look Batman. like to have the character named Batman look like a fucking bat. Yeah, I mean like, like if when you Bob, when you have to spell it out at that level, you created the character as far as I'm concerned. Yes, exactly. And it was like if it was just up to Bob Kane, he would have just been a rip off of the Shadow and Superman. And, yeah. Well, I mean, like his—I mean, even the original like Batman costume really is just a recolored Superman outfit. Yeah. Um, just with gloves and a mask. I just well, imagine Bill Finger just looking at me like, "Well, you called him Batman." Yeah. Why? 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 Why don't, why don't we have him look like a bat? Yeah. And then <laughs> just Bob came. Oh, I didn't even think of that. And then, like, evidently, I think it's like he came up with like the no killing rule. Or it's just like, you know, he doesn't kill or whatever. Like, I, I don't know if it's, like, expressed upon as profoundly as, like, obviously what it, what Christopher Nolan did with it. Yeah. But, I mean, like, no, apparently Bob Kane was, like, cool with him killing people and mm-hmm. shooting them, actually, using guns. But, like, Bill Finger was like, well, no, have him use gadgets. You know, yeah. have him use, like, you know, a grappling hook and, like, you know, let him use his instincts and detective skills more. Um, no, like, at that point, like, Bill Finger made Batman. Yeah. I mean, Bill, Fing- Bill Finger. Was, Bill Finger was basically the 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 creative force behind the entire aesthetic of Batman for the longest time. Like you know the the giant like oversized like props that he would have in the Batcave and stuff like that, and yeah, just the the entire aesthetic of Gotham City. Like that was all Bill Finger. Yeah, and Bob Kane just took it all from him. Yeah, just took credit for it. He just wanted to. Go to shrimp cocktail parties. I mean, even Stan Lee has said, because Stan Lee was like, you know, I knew Bob Kane, and, you know, I was friends with Bob Kane, and I'll be the first to tell you, Bob Kane was fucking full of himself. Yeah. Like, Bob Kane thought he was Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, shit. I still gotta watch that documentary, though. It's good. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, Um... And then there was like some drama with Superman for the longest time. Yeah, Jerry I mean, Siegel and Joe Sh- Joe Schuster they created Superman and uh, multiple times tried to sue DC Comics to get Superman back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so much that like their heirs, their families went after him, and there was like that was one of the reasons why there wasn't a Superman movie for several years. Yeah. 
because um, it just you know was this is back and forth. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's that would have been wild if they won and yeah. they like they could have like created a deal with another studio, another entity to yeah. make Superman movies with. Well, it's it's weird because it's like those two guys, Siegel and Schuster, they. When they created Superman, they sold Superman to DC in exchange for some money and a contract to basically keep providing them with Superman stories. Yeah. Um, and when they tried to, like 10 years later, they tried to sue DC to get Superman, the, the rights to Superman back. And the judge was like, well, no, you sold it to them. They bought it from you. They own it. And I guess in that regards, you could kind of side with DC because it's like, yeah. They bought it fair and square, um, and it's just kind of like a case of sour grapes almost, where it's like, oh, we didn't know it was going to be this fucking big of a, you know, icon. Yeah, almost. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like these two guys created basically the entire comic industry. Superman was the first superhero, essentially. Yeah. At least you know, in terms of how we how we currently know it, without Superman, there would not be this wonderful industry that we all have come to love. Yeah. Um, and the fact that those two guys like struggled in poverty for so long is not okay. It's not right for somebody to make something that is such a huge part of the lexicon and has motivated and inspired so many people over almost a hundred years to like live the rough life they did. That's not cool. No, I mean like, if you have a, a company, a corporate entity that ultimately owns a character, like, yeah, whatever, but you still have a moral obligation to take care of the people that made it possible for you to have that. Yeah. Um, and I know that I'm, like, relying on big businessmen to be fucking saints, but I don't know. It just seems like common sense. Yeah. It's like... You know, it's one thing for them to be like, you know, no, I always want to have complete 100% control over, you know, how, where you use this character, how you use them. I don't personally believe in video games, so you can't put them in a video game, and it's like, tough shit. Like, yeah. I know I just made up an argument out of nowhere, but, like, it's just like, in that case, it's like, no, it's tough shit. Like, they want to use your character as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, that's like kind of the, the thing I have with, like, Alan Moore. Oh, like, God, yeah. Alan Moore, it's just like, does Alan Moore deserve to get paid? Like, absolutely. I don't know if that's like, from my understanding, he also just like for a principle, you know, he's like one of those people where it's like, it's the principle of the matter. It's just like, he was so fucking offended that like, before Watchmen was made, um, the prequel books. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, dude, like, you created characters for a company, a brand, a label, and they're popular. And... They that 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 company doesn't want those characters to just be a one and done deal. They want to use them in other stuff. Like well, DC even offered him to come back to make before Watchmen, and he turned it down. Yeah, and it's just like, dude, like that just falls under the umbrella of tough shit. Like yeah, whatever. Like you ha you made popular characters, and you know the 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 studios that own them like want to use them. Like I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, but um, well, I mean, back to the creators of Superman. I guess you could kind of say that situation's a bit of buyer's remorse, but even when you boil it down to that, 
DC still took advantage of those two guys because they they were just like you know they they made a deal where they were like we're gonna completely own this character that you made and I mean no matter the context that's just straight up not okay no no it's not okay like and it, and it, and it ended up inspiring you know all the other comic industries to do the same thing to everybody else up yeah. until now the present day they're still doing it yeah I mean you should not be responsible for creating something that is big and loved and popular and famous and cherished and be hungry like yeah. that that's just wrong yeah um, yeah but I mean like go into like like image comics I guess yeah well I mean before we even go into that like to kind of go back to Stan Lee and all them like everybody knows who Stan Lee is you know everybody recognized Stan Lee recognized his voice and immediately knew who he was but the thing that a lot of you know people never realized cuz i remember i had to explain it to my ex once like stan lee never owned any of the characters he made yeah and it's like you know stan lee didn't toil in poverty for sure he was very comfortable in life um, yeah but like all the money he made was not um, i mean i'm sure he got paid like something he he got paid his salary from marvel for sure um, especially as he climbed through the ranks to eventually become president of Marvel for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Stan Lee never owned Spider-Man. He never owned X-Men, Doctor Strange. Like the second he came up with those characters, they belonged to Marvel. And that's how it's been at DC. And it's just crazy that that has just been allowed to go on like that. Yeah. And I mean, that that kind of stuff is what caused, you, you mentioned Image Comics, that kind of stuff is what caused the creation of Image Comics in mm-hmm. the 90s. Um, a bunch of artists who were working at Marvel at the time, uh, you know, a couple of big names like uh, Todd McFarlane being the biggest one and also, you know, Rob Liefeld, creator of Deadpool being, you know, right behind them. You know, a, a team of them, uh, of these artists at Marvel, were tired of making these characters for Marvel because like th- this was during like the late 80s to mid 90 or early 90s I should say um, when this was going on and during that time Marvel had like kind of a renaissance going on with all these new characters coming out like Deadpool Venom um, the new mutants like all these new characters that you know caused Marvel to really blow up at the time and these artists were like you know we've made all these characters and we're not like seeing shit from it so they had a meeting with the um, the president of Marvel at the time, and they didn't make any demands or anything. They just straight up told him, like, we're done, we're walking out. And uh, the next day, this is how, like, this is this is how adamant they were about this. The next day, they had a meeting with the president of DC Comics and told him the same thing. Like, they just straight up told him, like, hey we're just letting you know we quit Marvel and before you guys even ask, we're just letting you know we're not going to work for you either for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. And they went and they started their own studio, Image Comics. And Image is, you know, very different business model than Marvel and DC. Um, whereas Image is strictly the publisher. The studio and the creator of the character owns the character. Image simply publishes it. And I mean, Image, their, their biggest properties of course, are Spawn, which is made by Todd McFarlane, um, and also The Walking Dead. And Image doesn't own those. 
They just published the comic, and that is literally all they do. It, didn't they, aren't they the ones that published the Ninja Turtles, too? For a bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, and I mean, the that's, that's very ballsy of those guys to do, just to just walk away like that and make their own publishing company that completely went against the norm of the business. It's boss moves in American history. Yeah. And I mean, it's a shame that image, image comics aren't as big as what they were in the nineties. Um, so, I mean, especially Spawn. I'm a huge fan of Spawn and Todd McFarlane's my favorite artist of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they got the walking dead, but I think the walking dead comic recently ended. Um, uh... I'm not 100% on that. Yeah, me either. I, I just don't follow The Walking Dead. but Nah. It, it is a shame that like Image ha, Image Comics has kind of lost a bit of its luster because it's like it'd be so great to see that to see them shake up the industry so much that Marvel and DC start following that kind of business practice too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be nice. I mean, like, it's not that... I mean, I understand they got to make money themselves, but it's just like... It would only be good press for you to just take care of your people. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you take care of your people, they might be more inclined to make more stuff to make you more money. I mean, yeah, this isn't I, rocket science, guys. Like, no, I mean, like they would be, you know, they would be more likely to like bring in other people like, hey, work with the people, work for the people I'm working with right now. And, right. And whatnot. But I mean. Shit, that just requires too much hoping that other people aren't a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah it's, it's crazy how, like, all these different big studio heads, big record labels and all that, like, the second you make something for them, you belong to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to think of, like, another, like, instance of it with a movie that... Shit. Oh, man. I mean, it's kind of crazy how Disney had to buy Fox to get the full rights to A New Hope. Yeah. I mean, people, a lot of people weren't aware of that. That that went into that. Like, you know, Fox, 20th Century Fox would have owned A New Hope forever, no matter what. Yeah. Um, wasn't, so it, wasn't it distribution rights? I guess. But um, instead of... Instead of just simply being like, all right, how much do you want for A New Hope and the rest of Marvel, whatever you have of Marvel, like the X-Men? They're just like, let's buy everything. And yeah. then, it's, and now it's like, okay, you know, small town mom and pop indie theaters can't show Home Alone every Christmas anymore. They can't show, like, double features of Alien and Predator. And it's just like, what the, what the fuck, Disney? Like, yeah. shit, like... Oh yeah, because I forgot that they're gonna put you know the entire Predator saga on Disney Plus. Like eat shit. <laughs> yeah, Disney fucking had the audacity to do that and not even cancel Fox News. Oh man, I mean that—that's the only way I would have supported that whole deal. Yeah. But once again, I mean we've said it multiple times on this very podcast, but the majority of an industry should not be owned and controlled by the same entity. I shouldn't have to explain why that's a very bad idea. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. Well, we went through the whole list I made up for this topic. Um, I mean, do you have anything else you want to add? 
I mean, I'm rooting for Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, rooting for Kesha. Nobody I'm should. Good. Nobody should have to work with somebody who straight up causes them to have anxiety attacks. Yeah. I mean, trauma and just yes. Um, no. I mean, an abuser and assaulter, like the hell with them. Yeah. And I mean, like. You know, no, I, and honestly, like, I love Taylor Swift. Like, at first I wasn't into her, especially I wasn't into her earlier music, but, like, she only got better as time went on for me personally. And, um, and again, like, I know we all partook in the giggling of that meme where it's like, you know, she waves at a boy at the bus stop who doesn't wave back. Her new album will be out tomorrow. Yeah. Like, but, no, man, like, she's queen. And, you <laughs> <laughs> all them fuckers. Um... And it's just weird how, like, imagine 2009 being, like, you know, watching the MTV Awards and Kanye West did that shit where he's like, uh, Kesha, I'm going to let you, or um, Taylor Swift, I'm going to let you finish, but Beyonce had the best album of all time and, like, did his rude shit to her. Mm-hmm. And then back and forth, like, she was, like, the country singer and everything. And it's like, hey, guess what? 11 years from now? He's going to be wearing the hat of the Republican president, and she's going to be backing all the Democrats who run. It's just like, life is just full of twists and turns. Hey, speaking of that, aren't you looking forward to tomorrow? I mean, I I saw a tweet that summed it all up. Like, tonight we are all Stormy Daniels. We're just waiting for him to finish up so we can get some sleep. Yeah. Hey, tonight, today is the last day that a woman was not in the White House. Yeah. Um, oh man, I just, I, I'm just praying to God for no bullshit right now. Oh, um, some, something's going to happen tomorrow. Something's going to be attempted, I should say, but I don't think anything's like anything serious is going to happen. Oh goodness. I hope what you just said doesn't age bad. Um, I'm just, I mean, look, despite all the flaws of the American government, they aren't going to be caught with their pants down a second time. I, again, I'm praying to God that doesn't age <laughs> bad. Um, oh shit! But yeah, I mean, is tonight is the last night Donald Trump's president? Yep. Um, See you in hell. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully not. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't know if I have much say in the matter. Uh, I might need you. To, I might need you to pray twice as hard. Oh shit. Um, and but. Uh, it's what you know. In some ways, like the last four years, they felt like forever, but then they went by really fast. It's weird. Like in some ways it was fast, and in other ways it was slow. Yeah. Hey, you want to talk about things aging badly? Remember in 2016 when Ben Carson said, "Hey, it's only four years, guys. What's the worst he could do?" Oh shit. <laughs> and then you have like, I mean, it's still wild to me that like, apparently Ben Shapiro did not vote for him the first time. But he he voted for him this time, and if anything, that's crazier to me. It's like yeah. you weren't sold on him before, but then after all this, you're like, yeah, more please, right? And one of his things was, let's just face it, guys, the damage has already been done. Like <laughs> the the worst that can happen has already happened, and it's like, dude, you are just such an idiot. I I hate you. Like I. Yeah, you, you you think everything women do is awkward and uncomfortable and cringy. It's just like, no, dude, like you hate women because women probably hate you. Um, 
I mean, God, if I had to hear you every night, I'd be dry also. <laughs> oh, God damn. I can't wait for an episode where we can roast him and Steven Crowder the whole time. I'll be sure to invite them both on the show. Uh, <laughs> Why, so I can tell him that like I'm a sand trap downstairs? <laughs> you take Ben Shapiro, I'll take Steven Crowder. Uh, oh, shoot. Uh, trust me, know. that's that's the correct matchup. Trust me. I don't know if I can talk that fast. Oh. <laughs> but oh man. I, I don't know. No, you know what? We should we should we should offer to do it in person and then, you know, with Steven Crowder we just bring all those um union workers that wanted to beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna tell you right now, if Steven Crowder ever invites us on his show, I will accept just so I can take a shit on his floor live on Facebook. <sighs> Or wherever the hell he streams that garbage. Uh, it's like his, like, it's his girlfriend's basement or whatever. I don't know. Apparently, Mom, meatloaf. Apparently he has a girlfriend that is a model in the fashion industry. But she tries to keep her, you know, I don't think he's ever mentioned her by name. <laughs> and it's like giving off huge vibes of, I have a girlfriend. She just goes to a different school than yeah. us. Yeah. She's from the Niagara Falls area. Yeah, all right, Napoleon. <laughs> yeah, this is my girlfriend. You mean Kip? No, that was that was Napoleon. He had like the picture of like a random like model that he stole from like a uh, Deb's basement. He's like, yeah, this is my girlfriend. I'm taking her to prom. She lives out of state. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Oh shoot. But No, Kip actually had a girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, though. That's true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kip. He's <laughs> my soulmate. Oh, Don't be angry, because I've been here talking to internet babes all day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a piece of junk. It doesn't work. Why? Well, do that. That. <laughs> How do we go from Taylor Swift to this? Well, I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> you tried you tried god bless you you tried yeah yeah but well i um i think that's a good bob night was listening. no but the, uh, bob was listening um i think that's a good night unless you have anything else to add no uh, i think we had a nice little little episode here tonight yeah it's yeah just just just, just as a final recap it's it's weird. Oh, another good example was uh, Dave Chappelle with Chappelle Show. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That went on Netflix and HBO Max, and he did not make anything off of it. Yeah. And then and... He, had, he had that Instagram stand-up where he was like, boycott me. I'm not asking you to boycott a studio. I'm asking you to boycott me. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, that's true. That's and true. Netflix took it down, and didn't HBO take it down too? They finally took it down yeah. because he told the dirt on HBO that was shitty where he pitched – Chappelle show to HBO before Comedy Central, and they looked at him and said, what do we need you for? And they kicked him out. Instead of just being like, no thanks, no thank you, they looked at him and they said, what do we need you for? Wow. And then he's like, you know what? 20 years later, they are streaming the show that I pitched them, and I'm not getting anything for it. So let me ask them, what do you need from me? <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad I'm not paying for the HBO account on my PS4. <laughs> Shit. Special shout out to previous guest Kyle Reyes for that. Um, man, I, I just I um, countdown to the Snyder cut. 
and this, this is like this week we we're reminded that the Snyder Cut will be 30 whole minutes longer than The Irishman. I still haven't um, watched The Irishman. I, I, I keep for, I've been meaning to since it came out, and I never have. I mean, it's a good enough cast, but I'm sorry. I did that thing where, like, I thought I was, you know, about to say goodbye, and then I'm like, oh, and another thing. But, <laughs> you know, man, like, every now and then it's good to have a short episode. And by short, I mean, like, still over an hour, but... No, nah, uh, we haven't hit an hour yet. Oh, really? We're at 55 minutes. Oh, man, well, you know, let's, 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 let's keep this record, but... Um, <laughs> Um, I am BVJ. You can find me online at Puka Saucy. Um, I recently came out with a piece that was an ode to Hot Rod. Please check that out. Retweet it, like it, share it, um, whatever. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll have uh, another art piece coming out very soon, just in time for Valentine's Day. Oh, pokey. Um, I'm not drawing a booty. I'm sorry. Well, what good are you then? Um... Well, shoot, I'm still trying to figure that out. Anything else, Donnie? I mean, you ain't drawing a booty. It's like you guys don't understand why I'm upset. Like you, you haven't lived until you see this man's booty in a pair of Oscar the Grouch undies. Like, yeah, um, <laughs> that was because. Okay, I, I, actually, <laughs> now, I, now I need to add some context. That was because you know I was like in my loungewear for the evening and. <laughs> Um, our friend, you know, Trevor, you know, he called and did a FaceTime and then I was just like, I put the phone down. I'm like, hold on guys, I'm going to go get some ice cream. And I forgot I was in that. I did not randomly like sex Donnie some pictures <laughs> of me and Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> Braves, just to be like, hey man, don't you miss this every <laughs> Oh man. Oh, it's fitting you were wearing Oscar the Grouch because that was a straight up dumper. <laughs> and then Kogel Kogel of course had to be like he's got the dummy thick shorts <laughs> and I'm just like man I'm just trying to get some Oreo ice cream and Kogel goes he got that ass edible call her Mr. Incredible Ugh. what a fucking night <laughs> oh, man. I gotta take the recycling out there bro alright well I am Don John you can follow me on Twitter at Don John laughs. Be sure to follow the Fat Minute at Fat Minute Radio. Uh, if you missed this episode or tuned in late, we'll be on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, all the streaming services uh, tomorrow. Um, so be sure to come back Sunday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our next episode. And on that note, be good, be safe. Thank you. Fuck you. Goodbye. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 